and welcome to Secrets to a Financially Healthy Life, a video podcast series brought to you by Quilter. In this series, we focus on the importance of financial advice in helping you navigate every stage of your life and your career. I'm your host, Jane Constantinis, and in these episodes, we're going to be hearing from Quilter's own experts and a range of external guests to give a holistic overview and some practical advice on how to manage and achieve a healthy financial life for you and your family. In today's episode, we're discussing a subject that I'm sure will resonate with a lot of you, what to do when faced with adversity. In these times of uncertainty, we're asking our experts, how do you manage your mental health, family and your finances? We'll be delving into the impact of uncertainty on your life and getting advice on how to get past it to live positively and with less stress. My two guests today are Quilter business consultant and behavioural economist Mark Pitaccio and Marilyn Devonish, who's a life and executive coach. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Let's begin, if we may, by hearing from each of you about you and your life and your career up to this point. Marilyn, what about you? Absolutely. I've been a coach and therapist at this point for the past 22 years. I started in the year 2000. Um, I was studying to be a chartered accountant, gave it up to be a hypnotherapist and coach instead, which I know sounds like a very strange transition um, from the outside looking in. But I had had some real serious mental health challenges. And when I discovered that it was possible that you could do something to change that, I thought this is what I want to do with my life. So anything to do with the brain, mindset. I also teach accelerated learning. So how to, you know, get through the pile of papers, etc. at record, you know, how to read a book in five minutes, that sort of stuff. But anything to do with the mind and brain and performance, that's what I'm interested in. Fascinating. Thank you very much. Mark, what about you? Well, I've had a background in financial services, really. I was a financial advisor for, for many years, became an investment director of a, of a network, but I've always been more interested in how people actually make the decisions they make. So I've always been more interested in psychology. And when a university actually um, managed to get a, a syllabus that economists and psychologists agreed with and created the first behavioural economics uh, masters, I, I, I left and went back to university to, to do that. Um, and I'm now a doctoral college research psychologist at, at City University of London. And I've also been involved in sports coaching as well for, uh, for many years as well. Brilliant. I think this podcast is going to go on for about two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> you two have such interesting insights. Um, the word unprecedented. Oh, well, we've been using that now for about three years, haven't we? Uh, but I think it is appropriate, isn't it? Um, globally, all that's going on in terms of conflict and cost of living and energy and so on. Challenging times for very many people. And what we're here to talk about today is how we can manage that. Um, Mark, what about you in your life? How do you maintain your equilibrium, mm. I won't say that again, uh, and positivity? Well, yeah, I mean, following on from what you said, I heard a great quote that, you know, I'm getting really bored of experiencing once-in-a-lifetime events, <laughs> um, which I thought was a really good, good way of putting it. I think I think the first thing with, with, with psychology is to understand what you can and what you 
you can't control. Um, and I think uh, anybody who actually sits down and, and, and accepts that and then just works on the things that they are able to control, that they have some, you know, they, they, they can make decisions that are practical, that have results over those areas. That's a really, really good starting point. Mm. And Marilyn, you um, shared with us a moment ago that you've had your own mental health issues. And I was really interested to hear you say, and then I realised or I learned that I can do something about it. That must have been rather a, uh, a road to Damascus moment for you. I remember I remember the there were two pivotal moments, one when I was still working and that's before I had hit rock bottom. And I was thinking about getting another job and the voice in my head said, wherever you go, there you'll be. And I thought, what does that mean? And it took me about five or six years to realise that I could change jobs and keep going from this thing to this thing and blaming that boss and that boss and this situation. But I was the central factor. And if I didn't sort myself out, wherever I went, I would take all of that with me. So that was one of those moments. And then I accidentally signed up for a personal development course, thought I was signing up for a communication skills course because I was very quiet and shy, could barely speak to my own family. Ended up on that training because they wouldn't give me a refund. Thank goodness. Um, and just sitting in that room and listening to people talking about mindset. My first thought was there is no way that I can change how I'm feeling just by having somebody talk to me. So when we're talking about hypnotherapy and something called NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, I actually thought, what a load of nonsense. It was a seven-day course. I went in day one very angry because I couldn't get my refund, came out the other side on day seven thinking, I am a completely different person. All of the thoughts at that point, I was suicidal. All of those thoughts had just disappeared. And it was as though I had finally come alive at the age of 32 because I had been so set in my ways. I was the yes, but person. You're trying, yes, but, yes, but I've done, yes, you know, and I would literally just bat everything away. And then realizing how I had almost programmed my own mind, like you would could invite me out. And I say, no, I'll be tired next week. I was tired next week. And I thought, but that's been the pattern of my life. And I then started to realize that what I was thinking, what I was saying, how I was feeling was actually influencing my behavior. And I was almost setting myself up for massive amounts of failure. So at that point, I was like, okay, like you were saying about the control piece, I can't control everything, but I can most certainly look at aspects of my life and see how do I want to handle that. And that was a real turning point. That's extraordinary to talk about that week where you arrived low and angry and left a completely different person. That's that's really powerful. Um, you're also there talking to some extent about control, aren't you? Uh, and I think one of the things that people fear and, and we talk about a lot is, is this word uncertainty. Mm. How, how can we deal better with that? Well, embrace it. Um, embrace uncertainty. I, it's it, this word is almost. Uh, it's got to the point where it just has negative connotations. Um, but can you imagine the human condition without uncertainty? If everybody knew ex exactly when they were going to die, our whole aspect of life would completely change. You know, sport would become completely irrelevant if we knew what all the scores were going to be on, on, on Saturday. And even as an Ipswich Town fan who desperately wants some certain results occasionally, <laughs> you know, it just take, it would take the fun away. You imagine when you were a child and you didn't know uh, and you knew everything that was inside the Christmas presents under the tree. Um, so uh, uncertainty is, is, is something that really should be welcomed and embraced. If, 
if I, when I'm asking people of the things they're most proud of, or I ask them to, you know, relate uh, something that they've done that they they really remember and found found really exciting, all those situations started with a large degree of uncertainty. People didn't know what the outcome was going to be, and so we should understand the difference between uncertainty and risk. Those are two different things. So we welcome uncertainty, but we try and manage risk. Mm. And that I'm imagining is particularly relevant when one's talking about finance. Exactly. Again, it comes back to, you know, nobody knows what the future holds. That's that's what makes the human condition so exciting. and but within that, you can you can look to mitigate risk or or, or reduce risk on those areas that are going to have an impact on your life. Mm. Um, is that something that that resonates uh, with you, Marilyn? By the way, I cannot imagine that there was a time when you were shy and didn't speak out. <laughs> That's another incredible uh, transformation. Um, so getting yourself into the right headspace right now with all that's going on in the world. Um, how can people take a little bit more control of their thought processes? One of the first things I will say, and it's going to sound a bit weird, is breathe. And I know we're all breathing, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to the podcast. But <clears throat> what I mean is really take a couple of deep breaths. Because oftentimes when people are in a stressful state, there's this happening and there's this crisis and there's this thing going wrong, you tend to shallow breathe. Mm-hmm. So I say to people, just take a couple of deep breaths. And it is amazing how quickly that tends to calm the mind. Mm. I will then say to people, okay, where's your focus? And their focus is normally on what they don't want because you can be catastrophizing. And also there's a thing where you can either be in tunnel vision or in expanded awareness. And when you're in a stressful state, you tend to be in tunnel vision because you're thinking, right, there's a threat. This is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to sort out. And that and then kind of sets off a whole set of neurological patterns. So I say to people, expand your awareness, because what that does is it sets off something called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the body's natural relaxation response. It also will give you, and if I talk about it from a photo reading accelerated learning point of view, it gives you left and right brain integration. Because for me to be in expanded awareness, I can see you, I can see the corner of the room, I can see the door, that means left and right brain are working, Mm -hmm. which now increases your capacity to actually think straight because when you're in that anxious state you actually can't think straight so you will make decisions and take actions a bit like you're saying with the risk the uncertainty and all of that and you'll make decisions that actually you'll say what was I thinking and the fact is you probably weren't thinking because you were not thinking straight and with the breath you want to oxygenate the brain so it sounds very simple and straightforward but breathe expand your awareness and then what's my next step not what not what's the whole 20,000 mm. steps what's my next step what one thing mm. can i do in this moment to move myself one step closer to where I want to be. That's a little bit like um, the Chimp Paradox. Do you know that book, Steve Peters, and his process, not outcome, yeah. not catastrophizing about the, the worst thing that will happen. So, Marilyn, a lot of people are, are uh, in reality, struggling financially at the moment or are anxious about their financial position. What sort of things are you hearing, perhaps from some of your clients? Overwhelm is, is definitely one. A sense of hopelessness because it's almost like everything is coming at once. Even if you just looked at rising prices, for example, it's coming from all different directions. But when it comes to things like money and finance, 
anger, guilt, shame are very, very common. Uh, and that's often itself, not necessarily about the external, it can be an internal thing. There's often a whole piece around what I call the could have, should have, would have, I could have done this, I should have done that. What about this? They actually start looking at the, the skills and capabilities if things are not working for them, blaming themselves. I'm not clever enough. I haven't done enough. And, and it can really sort of pile on you. And then when you're in that place in that space, people then become almost completely unresourceful. So they actually cannot function and do the things that they that are necessary to help move them out of that. So that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. And they just they, they can't see a way out. And it just seems too overwhelming. And that's why I always come back to what's the one thing that you can do. And have you got a support system? And that doesn't have to be a massive system. It can be one other person that you absolutely trust. Now, I would say don't expect them to solve everything for you. But, you know, just being able to speak to someone. And oftentimes people will phone and I say, what do you want? Do you want me to listen? Or do you actually want me to help you with something? Because I need to know the parameters up front. And if you're just calling me to download, that's my job I'll just sit and I will let you download and when we're done we're done and I'll and then they'll say oh, I feel so much better now or they they might say so anyway what do you think and that's a whole different kind of conversation but I think and I think one of the things with the media people now know that they're not the only one because often you have this going on in isolation you think everyone else is fine because you're seeing their social reels and it all looks wonderful and in this one there's that sense of camaraderie where we're kind of in it together and let's see how we can move through this and let's put some of those emotions aside and let's see how we can work through it. We definitely had that sense of we're all in it together at the beginning of the of the pandemic, didn't we, in the first lockdown? And that's what got a lot of people through it, knowing that everybody everybody was locked in their houses doing jigsaws and making banana bread. Who never wants to eat banana bread ever again? <laughs> hands up. <laughs> if you're listening, hand up, unless you're driving, obviously. Mm. Um, but, Mark, it is not, is it... Uh, the same for everybody. People oh. are having very different experiences of, of the current financial difficulties. That, 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 that's correct. And the, 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 some research has been done. There's, there's actually four four cohorts that, that, that have been described um, you know, with regard to the cost of the living crisis. And, you know, at one, at one end, you've got the you've got financially distressed. These are people that are making very, you know, they're having to make very, very difficult dis, uh, decisions. Um, and also, you've got the financially immune. So there's, they're so wealthy, it, you know, it, it um, you know, it doesn't, uh, it's not affecting them. They're not going to change their habits or behaviours at all. But you've got this large group of people that, that have been termed comfortably cautious, and these are people that actually they've got good levels of savings. They've got, they've got good jobs, um, and they're sort of beginning to feel the pinch, if, if you like. But they're not very representative in the media because the media tend to be interviewing people that are in the financially distressed space. And quite often you're talking to people going, well, actually, this isn't me. I'm, I'm doing OK, actually. So I'm a little bit worried. You know, we're saving a bit more money and we've cut down on, 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 on some things. But actually, um, you know, it's not as bad as the people that they're interviewing on the television. And again, this is where the media is looking for the extremes. Um, there's so there's so many presenters now. They, they don't want to report the news. They want to be the news. They want to grab that headline. Our, our, our news reporters are, are becoming celebrities in their own right 
they're not just reporting the news. And so again, they're looking for the they're looking for the extremes. Um, and that isn't necessarily the place where, you know, a lot, a lot of people are living. And so they've got that sense of, well, should I be feeling guilty? Should I be doing? Well, actually, no, because, you know, you've spent your life saving. You've spent your life, you know, sort of making hay while the sun shines. And, you know, so when, when difficult times come along, you, there is a degree of resilience there. And you should almost be congratulated for that rather than feeling, you know, guilty about the fact that maybe it's not hitting you as hard as some of the examples that you've you've seen through the media. You said four, I think, cohorts. <laughs> What's the fourth one? Yeah, so you, you've got the you've got financially distressed. These are people that are being forced into may, changing their behaviours and changing their spending habits. You've got squeeze spenders where they they are they are looking for different ways to shop, different places to shop, different ways to spend. Um, you've got the comfortably cautious, which like like I say, they they they're not really feeling the they're beginning to feel the pinch but they're 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 the spending habits and their changes you know they're still going to go on their holidays for example in fact to be honest that was one thing that it was very it was identified as quite a british thing that nothing was going to get in the way of people's holidays <laughs> so quite quite bizarrely enough and then you've got financially immune so th these people are so wealthy that the the situation isn't affecting them at all and and is there anything uh, because in these podcasts we're often uh, talking mm. about uh, family family finance um is there anything going on intergenerationally? Another word I'm not going to say again. Are you, are you seeing or hearing anything in that regard? It's definitely something I've been hearing a lot since I started in this particular line of work in, in the year 2000. And oftentimes one of the things I see is patterns where people will follow the same patterns as their parents. And of course, their parents have followed the same patterns or similar patterns as the grandparents and the grandparents. would have. So <laughs> it, it really does go down the line. And quite interesting, one of the things that many people I, I came into contact with, they would have a sense of guilt about not wanting to earn more than their parents because you look up to your, let's say, one of thinking of one client in particular, looked up to his father it was almost insulting for him to do better than his father. And so that was getting in the way and he was almost sabotaging things in order for that to be the case. But I would definitely say if you're not in an environment where you talk about money, where you talk about finances, where you talk about planning, that can be something that is passed down through the generations and it's not something that people think about. And on the flip side of that, if you're in a position where there is really not much in the way of inheritance, then there isn't any intergenerational financial planning because, well, why would you do that? Because not, there's nothing to hand down. So even if people are more affluent now, they're not necessarily thinking about all of the things that they could do to be working with the, the next generation. Mm. So we're very good at planning and sticking to holidays. Are we good at talking about finance? They're terrible, apparently. And, and it's a very British thing. It's been, we, we, we would rather talk about our sex lives than we would about our money lives, which is... <laughs> That's another podcast. Yeah, we don't know, which is quite, which is quite bizarre. <laughs> Um, but I, I share an anecdote with you actually about, um, you know, intergenerational work, which has been quite interesting. My, my youngest daughter's 17 and she she works in um, various restaurants. She works at the local pub and, and her and her friends are, are really struggling at the moment because they can't get the shifts. So actually they can't get their own spending money that they would normally have. And actually it's been a very grown up 
conversation about why the why the pub, the local sort of gastro pub, can't offer them shifts as as as, as wait, waiters and waitresses because you know they're having to the cost of of them delivering their service has, has got to the point where they're closing for several nights each week so actually that's a completely different conversation that you would normally have from your 17 year old which is probably why she can't have everything that she wants you know um this has actually affected their work but it's 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 um like i said it's generated a very um a very a more grown-up conversation that maybe you would you would normally expect because it's affecting their ability to earn Mm. and Conversation even in in good times about finance, about, as you say, passing on wealth, if there is any, about planning. You, you mentioned financial planning um, and, and teaching those robust habits to the next generation. Obviously, you're starting those conversations now with your youngest daughter. It's so important, isn't it? Well, no, no, nobody, uh, Daniel Kahneman said no one ever makes a decision based on a number. He was the father of behavioural e- economics. And the truth is we all have a vision for our lives. We uh, we have a narrative, we, the, the way we believe, you know, we'd like our lives to turn out. And financial planning is, a, is, is really about, you know, making that as possible, uh, you know, in sort of maximising the probabilities of that happen happening. And so risk really is not a risk to a number. It's a risk to that narrative. It's a risk to the fact that those things aren't necessarily going to happen. So if you're working with good, you know, you're working with a good financial planner, that's really what the planner planners should be interested in. That that client planner journey should be around what 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 the world looks like, you know, what kind of life you want to live. And then mitigating the, any risk to that not happening is is more important than actually, you know, what the number is or the risk to to to, to the particular number. So you very cleverly have brought us back to the beginning of this conversation, which was about the difference between risk and uncertainty and that we should be embracing uncertainty and managing risk. Mm. What... Um, what what Marilyn would your um, advice be to people who are feeling and, and you use the word overwhelmed uh, by in particular their financial situation? One of the things, and it's easier said than done, is not to put your head in the sand. To and I, I say take it in stages, and I'm thinking back to myself when I was in real dire straits many many years ago. There would be the thing where the brown envelope would land on the door. And you immediately freeze and then you just kind of kick it to one side, walk around it a bit and hope that it will. It's like it's not going to go anywhere. So one of the first things I'd say, take it in small stages. You don't have to do everything at once, but get things organized. Open them. Look at them. Make the phone call. Send the email. Write the letter. Look at what's out there in terms of help. Now, the Citizens Advice Bureau, for example, is always one of the old state. They're still there. You can still call them, get an appointment, that sort of thing. And one of the things I found really useful and I suggest that people do is get a buddy, somebody where they're on the end of the phone and you're saying, right, this is what I'm dealing with. This is the challenge. And just having them there with you. They might not be in the same physical room, but they're actually alongside you. Or saying, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I always say to people, just think about, look, there's the worst case scenario. 
And then there's the ideal scenario. And if either of those two things happened, how do you think you might handle it and what needs to be in place for you? So actually start coming up with ideas. Well, I could do this and I suppose I could do that. And then there's this. And I suppose there's that. And just start getting the, the mind working because oftentimes when you're in those situations, you can only see one option and it's not necessarily a good one. So really, and I say to people, I, I like brainstorming, mind mapping, be creative, just write everything down. Well, like, what about this? And do not judge it at the time you're being creative. Because again, we're back to yes, but. People go, oh yeah, but. And I'm like, no, 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 just keep going, keep going. Whatever all these ideas, how might you be able to do this? Who could help you? Is there anything out there? Is there anyone out there? Who could you speak to? Who could support you? And just get the mind working on those things and just taking those those little steps and being okay with not being okay and saying to people, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not coping. I need help. I need support because you would be surprised at the resources that can come forwards in the way that people would often be willing to help. Mm. And it's interesting what you were saying earlier about that sort of tunnel vision that we need to, what, what was, what's the phrase? The expand. Expand your, well, peripheral vision, you might yeah, call it, expanded yeah. awareness where looking yeah. outside because even just that mm. gives you a sense of expansion okay it's not just this there's all of this yeah and what might some of all of this entail and what could it be yeah um of course to admit that you've got a problem is often overcoming that sense That's of hard. failure, isn't it? Mark, what would be what would be your advice to someone who's listening to this thinking, yep, I feel a bit overwhelmed and anxious about what is going to happen or what is happening? Well, it's probably not as bad as you think it's going to be. I mean, it, it, we, 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 like I said, we, we're very much uh, influenced by, by our environment. You know, when, when, when everything's positive and, you know, you, you hear about stock markets rising, financially everyone's a risk taker. When the world's going to hell in a handcart, everyone's a risk avoider. And our, our, our natural heuristics, um, the way we behave, our, our psychology has helped us to get to the top of the food chain. But actually, it isn't very good in helping us make good financial decisions in the 21st century. So um, we have that fight, flight and freeze where we just, you know, we want to do something proactive to change a situation where quite often the best thing to do is absolutely nothing. You know, we, we have this phrase, don't just don't just do something, sit there. Um, and quite often you need someone to help you with that decision. So having good people in your corner, having a good financial planner in your corner, for example, having having people around you that you trust, you trust their opinion and you can you, you, they're your fellow voyagers, I think, I think really helps in, in all situations in life, not just not just the one we're facing at the moment. Yeah. And embracing uncertainty. Embrace uncertainty. I love that. And for the control <laughs> freaks in the room, hands up. That's everybody <laughs> to relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, very sadly, we're out of time. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you both for your really brilliant insights and your, your personal stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and that you've learned some practical tools to help you navigate these seemingly uncertain times and achieve a financially healthy life. If you'd like to find out more about Quilter, go to quilter.com. I'm Jane Constantinis. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Goodbye.